light and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Carlisle United, the team that's on the ball Carlisle United, the team for one and all You're looking good and we're with you all the way You'll hear us singing every time you Hello everyone and welcome to the Bunton Bugle, your one-stop shop for all things Carl United. From Mark Wynn Stanley to Keith Walwyn and Andy Dibble to Mark Doby, we've got it covered. On today's episode, we're going to be looking back on two points picked up against Barrow and Newport, previewing another huge couple of games against Port Vale and Bolton Wanderers, as well as a roundup of what X-Blues have been getting up to. I'm joined on this episode by one of my co-hosts, Mike Booth. Mike, how's it going, mate? Yeah, it's going all right. You know, we've got a little unbeaten run going, and despite two draws, I think we're actually closer to the playoffs now than we were last week, aren't we? Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it, the way things are going at the moment. We seem to be the only team pushing for the playoffs who's actually in any sort of decent form. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, not yet, we're not quite getting it. It's just that feeling of could have got three points from one of those games. It almost would have been better if we'd lost against Barrow and beat Newport, wouldn't it, and mm. get that one place close. And obviously, Newport wouldn't have got the point as well. But can't win everything, can you? I suppose that's no. the way it goes. Um, okay, uh, there's no news this week. Um, it's it's another quiet week. I think things are just plodding along, isn't there? I think the, the only thing that's come out is the news about the uh, the dates for the playoffs, isn't it, I think? Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll read them out when we know we've got a chance to get in the playoffs. Let's not jinx it. <laughs> let's, let's be good, and we'll, we'll do them next week if we can. Yeah. Um, as well as that, I think they've announced when the fixtures are going to be out for next season. Again, we'll cover that next week. And I think next week we might have a little look at uh, the contract situation on players as well. It might be one of those ones where, God forbid, if we lost both the games, we're, we're out of play contention, we start looking towards next season, don't we? So, mm. But hopefully we'll have won both, and we'll be looking ahead and maybe planning a trip to Wembley. Maybe, just maybe. But there you go. Well, I think... Because I think they announced that the FA Cup final has 8,000 fans allowed to go to it, but 2,000 for each team, with mm-hmm. 4,000 being corporate, which I just think is standard <laughs> FA nonsense. But yeah, we'll you see. Think for one year, they could have said, sod the corporates, just, let's just have fans in for this one. Yeah, although I don't know if the Club Wembley thing is still a thing. Where people I, don't, have, no, I don't think they'll be no. into this time, I'd guess, but no. there you go. Okay then, let's get straight into it then, Mike. Uh, so we're looking back at the two games we played. As you mentioned there already, two draws in a row. A 2-2 draw against Barrow and a nil-nil draw with Newport County. I mean, two tough trips, I think you'd say. Mm. And in hindsight, maybe you would take a point from each of them, but particularly the Newport game, you look back and you think oh, that was a real chance to get three points in that game, wasn't it? And Barrow less so because... You know they they battled back well in that game and they were leading for such a long time. But is there a feeling there maybe that it's a case of four points drop rather than two important points from two games? Yeah, I think so. I mean, at the same time, I think it's actually nice to be in a position with that Newport game where we think we could have won the game rather than we're feeling down and frustrated at a poor performance. You know, yeah. I mean, what's mad is that Newport game. I think we created far better chances in that than we did in the Crawley game. Yeah. You know, and and we beat Crawley 2-0, you know, which is the way football goes sometimes, but we created some really good chances. We were unlucky. Um it's it's just the way it is, but if we're creating better chances against teams week in week out, 
nine times out of ten, we're going to win games, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the possession stats against Barrow, we actually had more possession than them, 55%, mm. um, which is maybe why we struggled a little bit. We had a lot of the ball, but we didn't. Mm. <laughs> we don't like to have the ball too much, do we? That's the problem. No. Against Newport, it was 51% in their favour, 49 I mean, practically half and half, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Um well, let's let's look straight into the uh, the Barrow game then, Mike. Um, let's give the listeners a little bit of insight here. You didn't actually get to watch this game live, did you? You've watched back the highlights and all that, haven't yeah. you? So you got a, an idea of the key moments at the very least. But um, we'll start off with, the, with one of the highlights then. Uh, scoring after just three minutes and a very unlikely goal scorer, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you say unlikely, but he's a big lad to have in the box on these set pieces, you know, and it's it, he's he's come close a couple of times, but it's it's great that he's uh, he's finally got his goal. Um, his post match comment, Jack Armour, by the way, yeah, Jack <laughs> Armour, uh, yeah, but his post match comment, match comments were quite interesting, uh, where he basically said that he was one of the lads that had COVID, and that there's 14 others, and that they just felt like. They were going into when they came back off the off the break. They felt like they were going into the first game of the season without a preseason, and they just felt completely off the pace. That's that's what he was saying, and it's understandable. And it, I guess it goes some way to explaining the the dip in form that we had. Yeah, uh, it was it was really interesting. Yeah, he said about fourteen others, didn't he? I think so. Fifteen mm. members. I mean, that I'd heard that number recently. I hadn't said anything because I know the club, you know, don't really want it to be out in the open. But it seems they're talking a little bit more freely about it now. Now the levels are getting back to normal. I think it's almost mm. not insurance is the wrong word, but you know, they, they, they're covering themselves. They didn't want to be saying, "Oh, players are really struggling," but it, it's pretty clear now, isn't it? When we look back at it, that it did really badly affect the squad and. We asked that and see them get back to the levels they were at previously. So that's a, that's a good thing. But you're right, br- brilliant header from him. To be fair, he got into the right place and once again, Callum Guy, just an assist machine, isn't he? Just incredible yeah, the amount of goals he set up this season. And his corners dropped off a bit, didn't they? I think they were they were looking a bit poor for a while. But last mm. few games, all of his set piece deliveries have been on the money, haven't they? Really? And yeah, they really. We, are. we should really have scored more from them, realistically, yeah. when you look at mm. it. But. But yeah, it's a fair point that about the thing. Um, we were on top for about 15 minutes, and I can tell you this bit, you, you didn't see it, but <laughs> we were on top for about 15 minutes after that, but then we just switched off, and mm. it's really frustrating. When you look back at the equaliser uh, from Scott Quigley, um, got to say, actually, Scott, we'll talk about it in a minute, but Scott Quigley, what a good player he does look for, for Barrow. Um, it's frustrating because it's one of those ones, and people say, oh, you know, McDonald and Hayden maybe should have done better, but actually, if you look, McDonald and Hay- Hayden, they actually play a bit of an offside trap, and it's Jack Armour that's caught a little bit napping. Mm. He doesn't step up with him. If he steps up with him, quickly he's a good two, three yards offside, and the lines been clearly flags. In live action, I thought he looked clearly offside, but actually, looking back at him, he just about played himself on. It's hard to tell because you can't look along the line because because mm. the camera angle, but I think he probably is onside with hindsight and. Yeah, it's just one of those ones a bit frustrating, isn't it? Um, that Jack didn't step up in line with the thing, but it's one of those things I suppose you learn as a team as you play together more. Yeah, but at the same time, I think, was it last week that we were saying how a lot of the stick that McDonald is coming for has been kind of unjust? And uh, to be fair, he had a bit of a shocker in, 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 in that one. But you know what? He made up for it in a Newport game. He had a very, very good game there. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's just it was just a frustrating 
uh, game, the Barrow one, really, wasn't it? Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I saw the extended highlights, and yeah, there's just it would have been nice to get all three points, but in the grand scheme of things, looking where we are now on the table, you know, a point wasn't the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, Barrow, to be fair, we're going into the game on decent form as well, right about the same form we're on, so it's not to be sniffed at that, I suppose. Um, you mentioned, obviously, McDonald there, yeah. Hands up, you know, a few people were giving us stick on um, on Twitter and saying, oh, you know, they're not for all the... Uh, the loving up and praise that McDonald got. He had a stinker in his body. He didn't have a good game. I'm not even going to doubt that. The second goal, it's a frustrating one because the big issue is he just didn't deal with the ball quickly enough when he had mm. it. And he does that occasionally. And it is frustrating. He, he just thinks sometimes he's got a little bit more time on the ball than he actually does. Yeah. And I think what his problem is, he, he's trying. He's trying to be a bit more careful with it and play the ball into good areas and into towards players. And sometimes you think to yourself, players closing down like Quigley. Just get rid, just hit it. And a few people did say, "Oh, you know, he he, sh- he, he you know he shied from the ball, then he you know he, he hid, he hid from his his error." I respectfully disagree with that. Having watched the highlights back again now, if you watch it, no, he doesn't go directly to Quigley. But if he goes directly to Quigley, he'll, he'll look a mug because Quigley's faster than him, mm. and he'll get away from him. what he does. He doesn't take an entirely direct route towards Quigley, but he does go into the right area get across to, to cover the position. And he does really well there in that sense. What he doesn't do well then is actually the, the second ball quickly gets past him a little bit too easily. And that's not him hiding or shining. That's just poor play at the end of the mm. day. He just, he's got to be a bit stronger there. And he's a big, strong lad, McDonald. He can do better there, in my mm. opinion. But yeah, I disagree that he, he shied away from the ball. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Mike. I think, for me, he, he covers the position quite well. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought he made the initial error and he was sort of... Uh... You know, scrapping with himself to try and make up for it, and it just seemed a little bit all over the place to me. Um, and then, you know, there's a debate, isn't it? Cortana have won the ball a bit, but for me, you know, when the, when he's one on one with him in the box, if he sticks a leg out too much, you know, it goes down. Potential red card, even. You know, I'd argue it probably wouldn't be a red card because of the fact that if he's making a genuine attempt to get to the ball, which you. You'd say he would, mm. although with this ref, God knows what he would. Well, yeah. we'll get onto that in a minute. Um, yeah, Tanner didn't have a great game. To be fair, <laughs> he got a little bit bullied in this one, and we we are big fans of George, as you know. We yeah. think he's going to play at the highest level. We really do. But it's one of those games. It, it, for me, it seems like his fitness is a little bit up and down in terms of the sharpness, which is to be expected. Mm. If potentially he might be one of the players who had COVID as well, and with the injury he had too. It's going to be tough for him, isn't it? And I think it was a bit of a mercy substitution in the second half, wasn't it, from Beach to take him off? And I mean, got to give some credit to Pat Ruff as well. There was lovely footwork to get it away mm. from Tanner and get into the box and then finish really smartly. He's having a brilliant season for Barrow. Really, really is. Yeah, um, well, a lot of their fans are saying that he's possibly player of the season for them, which you know is is, is great for him. So. Yeah, it tells you a lot how well he's played, isn't it? And yeah. I know some people said, oh, we shouldn't let him go. But I mean, realistically... He wasn't going to get in the team ahead of Granger for us. No. So he's done the right thing for his career to go away, get his experience and get his, you know, appearances at other clubs. And, you know, he's a League Two player now and he's a player. He could probably play at a high level, to be fair, mm-hmm. the way he's playing. Yeah. So good good luck to the lad. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think Tanner maybe could have done a little bit better. He just sort of, I, th- I think you're right. He probably did panic a bit and thought, if I actually go in here, I'm, I'm going to end up giving away a penalty and potentially mm-hmm. a red card. Mm-hmm. Just the way it is, isn't it? Um, let's talk about the ref thing briefly, about the 
the second yellow that wasn't given. So Neil Erdley, experienced defender for um, Barrow. He, he, he was getting a bit of a torrid time down the left, wasn't he? I think he was up mm. against Patrick and he, I think he brought him down and got a booking for it. And then later on, a ball was played forward and Alessandro made him look a bit of a chump, didn't he? I think he won the ball mm. off him and was getting away. And he basically rugby tackles him. Yeah. And the ball comes and we had a decent promising attack at that point and the ref played on. Now the issue comes there, I know this for a fact, this, was, this has always been the case, is that once you've done the play on, if you think it's going to be a second yellow to go for a red card, you've got to stop play there and then yeah, whether yeah. there's an advantage or not, you should stop the play. He mm. didn't stop the play. He played mm. the advantage. I, I can't see how anyone can say that's not like... He's not made an attempt to get the ball. He's hauled the player down. He, he's brought him down. It's a cynical foul. Mm. That, that for me, should... Be, I know that people put their things that all the rules have changed. Even allowing for that, for me, that's a second booking. Yeah. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on, Mike. It just feels like that to me. No, definitely. I mean, this rule change seems a little bit weird because it, it, it always has been the case is that if you pull play back after, it can't be a red card, but it can be a yellow card. Um, but yeah, it just, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and we didn't score from the advantage, but I think a lot of people, even so, would prefer the free kick and the yeah. red card than, than the advantage, you know, but, you know, that's the way it is, and, you know, like I said, with the Newport game, it's, it's, it's good that we can sort of say, oh, if they'd had a red card we could have won kind of thing. It's nice that we can say these things rather than, oh, we were lucky there, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we were maybe a few weeks ago. It's one of those ones that you wonder if, if that had happened, if, if Barrow might have dug in and held on for the 2-1 possibly is one of those True. ones, isn't it? True. But, yeah. Um, okay, well, we, we finally did get an equaliser late on. The second half was was a bit better, mm. a little bit, little bit more promising. I thought Anderson coming on actually made a difference. I thought he used the ball a lot better and, We've got Armour over to the right, and we know how good he can be cutting in from the right with his left foot mm. and playing the balls in the box. And it was from a long ball forward from Anderton that Zanzala, he, he was very, very quiet in this game, but the one time he came to life was was this point, wasn't it? And he, he wins the ball and turns the defender, and he, the defender, I think, knew as soon as he'd done it what he'd done, and it was always, always going to be a penalty, wasn't it, I think? And mm. took the responsibility as well to take it, because Alessandro, I think, is always been the designated penalty take for us, but he stepped up and finished it really well. I think Dan said, didn't he, on the chat we have, that it, it was a weird run-up he took. It was almost straight, wasn't it? But yeah. they're almost good, those run-ups, aren't they? Because the keeper doesn't really know which way you're going to hit it, does he? Yeah, but I think it's hard when you're running straight on, if you're right-footed, to kick it to your right, mm. I would think. You know, unless you sort of almost slice it a little bit but yeah, yeah no it was, it was it was a good cool uh penalty under pressure and he's just a, a very sort of uh composed player enjoying his football isn't he yep definitely and you'd probably say we probably could have been the team to win it at the end there i think i know they had one mm. chance thing after that but we look like the side most likely to win late on um let's put quickly touch on barrow themselves actually got, got to say they you can see why they've got themselves out of trouble, can't you? They're very well organised side. They've got some good players in there, and I think in, in, in quickly they've got a very combative striker. And if he's still at Barrow next season, you can see him being one of the top scorers in the division if they keep a decent core of their squad together, can't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's one thing that I I feel if we had a sort of fifteen twenty goal a season striker. With us, I think that could have maybe been the difference for us this season. From the start really... of the season, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, let's move on to the Newport game. This is one that you did watch, so you can comment a little bit more on this one. <laughs> um, I, 
mate of mine, Ian, said that he thinks this was the best performance away from home since Walsall in January. Only thing missing a goal, and I, mm. I wouldn't disagree with that, would you? No, not at all. Yeah, it's spot on. It's uh, it's it's weird because we've seen some awful nil nil draws, haven't we, <laughs> as, mm. as fans over the years? But this it wasn't boring by any stretch of the imagination. You know, like I said before, created a lot of chances. And again, Farman needed to make a couple of saves at sort of yeah. key moments to to you know keep it level. And yeah, all in all, we were we were unlucky. But the, the thing that I enjoyed the most is, I mean, Newport. They were just awful, like houses, basically. That's yeah. for, for want of a better word. They were just the dark arts. That that was their plan, and the referee was not having any of it. And it was great to see because there's so many refs at that level, at this level, that just let players do that. And you know, there, there was one, one moment in, in particular. I think it was Labadee. Uh, went down clutching his knee, and the referee gave nothing. And then so he started clutching his head, which obviously the referee has to stop play for a head injury, which I just think is is shocking. Well, well he, he took one look at him, didn't he, and said, mm. "Now get on with it." And he didn't. Yeah. He didn't give a free kick. He let us take the throw in. Yeah, so he didn't have any issue with it. Yeah, I think early on he was falling for it a little bit, but I think it, it went on so much that I think he got mm. to the point and was like. All right, you guys are taking the piss out of me, here, basically. So I'm, mm. I'm not going to let this carry on. And mm. yeah, I, I think. Full credit to the ref there. I thought, yeah, he had a decent game, the ref. I think he, he maybe could have given out a couple more bookings, maybe, at a push. Yeah. But bar that, I, you couldn't really fault uh, what he did, to be fair. So, yeah, we dominated this game for long periods, but just a bit of wasteful finishing really cost us, wasn't it? I think Patrick a couple of times, especially that. Then there was one where he was through on goal, where he won the ball brilliantly on the half line and did mm. really, really well. Got away and he and he didn't go down the channel. He he came inside to get central, didn't that, he? Yeah, that was a really good touch. That to just Re- take it a bit more central. Really good touch. One, it wasn't a great finish. Two, if he got his head up, Alessandro was free in the middle, unmarked, yeah. and probably yeah. had a tap in. It's one of those ones, isn't it? It's, it's a little bit of decision making there, isn't it, from Patrick that needs mm. to be better. But at the same time, if that was our defender that came back and got back, would be you know calling him an absolute hero because it was very good sort of last ditch defending um but yeah there was that chance and um i mean matt donald's chance is probably the one that we could have got the goal from um yeah it's one of those ones i've watched it again and it's not as easy a chance as it looks because he's having to head it at pretty much knee height Mm. just just above knee height it's not easy and actually actually you know what Full credit to the defender. If that had been McDonald at the end doing that defending, you'd mm. give him big credit saying you've done enough there to put off the defender mm. or the attacker so he can't actually get a head on goal. And yeah. it's, it's not as it's not a sitter in the way that I mean, it's difficult for for James Phillips and Jabo who's doing the co commentary mm. already come here to, to do it because they only see it once and they saw it from the other angle, the other side, mm. probably maybe a little bit lower down. And I don't think the view's great in Newport. On the TV, you could see a bit better, couldn't you? That he, he wasn't quite as easy chance as it looked. But you know, I, yeah, yeah, you've got to give full credit to Rod. I thought actually, I thought he was man of the match for me. He was a massive improvement yeah. on the Barrow game. Mm. He, he he kicked everything clear. He headed everything clear. Don't I mean Maynard barely got a kick out of him all night, didn't he? And, mm. and Hayden as well. Actually, to be fair, I think the pair of them looked a good partnership. And it's something we didn't actually touch on on the Barrow. But actually, I would have said, I think Hayden didn't have a very good game against Barrow. I thought his distribution was poor at times. He was playing the ball to the wrong foot for a lot of players. And as a result, they were having to try and shift it and were getting tackled. And it, the difference with Hayden and McDonald is that Hayden's got the pace to get himself out of trouble, hasn't he? Mm. He can get back and, and do it. And 
when he can't, to be fair, McDonald's covered quite well at times for him. And um, I think both of them had a really good game against Newport. Yeah, I mean, one th- one thing I've noticed with Hayden since we came back is, you know, first half of the season, he was absolutely as strong as an ox. And he seems to have just lost that little bit of strength now. Um, but, you know, he, he had a he had a good game in, in, in the Newport game. And I certainly feel on McDonald, I think his goal is coming. You know, he's getting closer and closer. And uh, Win at Wembley. Win at Wembley, that's what it is. You're getting yeah. at Wembley. Definitely. Yeah, and everyone who slagged him off will, you know, forever be yeah, in yeah. in debt to him. Now we said that he's going to give away a penalty at Wembley, isn't he, or the playoff semi or something? Yeah, probably. And we're going to look really stupid. But there you go. Um, a little bit of tactical change from Beach for this game, wasn't it? Um, mm. I, I think I kind of expected Tanner to be dropped because he didn't have a great game against Barron. When he doesn't have a good game, Beach does seem to tend to take him out of the fire line for the next match. Bit of a surprise, though, that it was Danny Devine that came in to, to play the full 90 minutes as well after being out for, mm. what, five months. I mm. thought he might bring Anderton in and switch Armour over, but because Armour's so settled at left-back, maybe that's the reason. And I've got to say, I think Danny Devine had a terrific game. I think he was probably run McDonald as close as possible for man of the match. He's, he strikes me as a player who... I, th- I think Beach has said he's very uncomplicated, isn't he? He's, he's not mm. fussy. You tell him to do something, he's like, yep, no worries, boss, and that's all you'll hear from him. He strikes me as a player. You could tell, tell him, you know, go and play a left wing today, and he'd go out there and do a solid job for you, or you know, go and play up front, solid job, centre back, solid job. Yeah, you just know you can rely on him to do a good job. I think right back's probably the best one he'd do out of those utility positions, other than centre mm. midfield, his best position. But he's got a great engine on him. He, he's a player who's really. He's not played that much for us this season, but he's really surprised me as how good a player he actually is. Yeah, I mean, he had a. You know, I think their winger maybe got the better of him a couple of times, but you know, bear in mind this is the first football that he's played in how long? You know, in a, a ninety-minute game in a, in, a, in a big game as well. But I, I was surprised the other day by how old he is because um, he he seems to have been around for years, but he's only twenty-three. Mm. And you know, because yeah, like I say, I thought he'd been around for years and years, but I think he's one of the ones contracted for next season. Um, he is, yeah, yeah, he's got two yeah. deal, yeah. Yeah, it's good to have players who can uh, come in and just do a job when needed, and you know, seemingly, you know, not be too disruptive in the in the dressing room when he's not starting every week either. Yeah, his last game was the Stevenage game, the one that um, that Tanner got injured in as well. Oh. So that's twelfth of December. <laughs> so yeah. it is pretty much five mm. months since mm. he made an appearance. He's only made nine appearances this season, but he feels like a player who's done so well when he's come in. So, yeah, yeah. F- full credit to the lad. I, I genuinely think he could play a big part in the, the end of the season. And, uh, you know, you kind of feel a bit sorry for Taylor Charles, who's lost his pace in the squad because obviously Coyote's back now, and we'll mention mm. him in a sec. But I think Devine looks like a player who's a bit more ready, doesn't he? He looks like a player who's like, had those three or four years at, at Bradford as well. Mm. And that's kind of what we want Charles to have with us have his two or three years to build himself up and get to the level of someone like Devine who's ready to come straight into the team and play whenever mm. you need him. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, mentioned there, obviously, Coyote back for a few mins, you know, not not the longest run out, but really good to see him back on the pitch as well. Yeah, it was. And, you know, we said, I think, last week that it'd be hard for him to work his way into the starting 11 with the way that the front three have been playing. But, you know, at the same time, we, we need to keep things fresh. I think um, the players that have been out for a game, when they've come back in, they've looked so much better for it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, perhaps, you know, a little bit of rotation can finally happen with the front three. 
Yeah, you, you almost think when you look at the team, uh, there's some players who are going to start pretty much every game. I mean, you, you send it back, you've got no choice at the moment. Keep it pretty much the same. Mm. Fullbacks is where maybe you can tweak things a little bit. Callum Guy is going to start every game because he's so important as long as he's fit. Mm. Riley, probably the one who's going to maybe come in and out occasionally. Mellish mm. probably going to start most. The front three, at the moment, picking themselves, but they can be tweaked as well, can't they? Mm. That's the yeah. way you look at the, the place where you can change. And I think it's Coyote is such an important player when we play well as well because he's aerial presence because he wins so much in the air. Yeah, he's a massive player for us in that sense. So I can probably see him maybe coming in in a couple of games. Like he might, might be like one way he doesn't play the weekend. Maybe he gets his thirty minutes of the weekend, and then for the Bolton game you bring him in because you know you know he gave them a really tough game yeah. back in December, didn't he? So you do wonder that. Um, a couple of general points before we go on to the halftime break, Mike. Um, gotta say two really poor pitches. I mean, Bar- Burrows wasn't as bad. I mean. Barrows has got the patchy bit. And as they said on the radio, that's where they were doing the new stand work. And you mm. said it last week. Mm. So hopefully next season, you know, if they take it up and, you know, redo it, it'll be fine. And it'll be, it'll be a decent pitch. But we've got to make a point about Newport. I mean, I know there's some mitigating circumstances this year with, you know, all the games played together and things like that. But there comes a point where surely the EFL have got to say something to them about that. And if mm. there's an issue with them ground sharing with a rugby club, They've got to put a plan together for the next few years to sort that out. And whether that's somehow getting a deal where only one of the rugby clubs plays in it instead of two of them, mm. or getting their own ground, then mm. there's got to be something done there because it's getting ridiculous now the amount of games and the quality of pitch. And we tried to play a little bit of football, and Newport tried to play football as well, but they can't on a pitch like that, can they? No, but it's quite funny because uh, I actually thought that Newport's pitch looked the best that I've seen it in years. And it's st- it still looked awful. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's how bad it normally is. Like, I dread to think what it would be like if they didn't have that couple of weeks playing at, playing at Cardiff. Yeah. I don't think it did them much good, though, did it? I think they won one of them, but I think they lost the other one against Orion, didn't they? Mm. So, yeah, it's one, it's, it's one of those ones. It's But, yeah, I think, overall, Mike, two okay results, I think, in hindsight. Good performances mm. as well, which is the important thing. If we played badly, you'd be worried coming to mm. these games. We're, we're, we're playing well. We didn't play brilliantly against Barrow, but we, we, we ground out a result. And that's another good sign, isn't it, I think, for the running. you know. Uh, and, and the thing is, we're still in touch. And that's all you can really ask for at this point. Keep yourself mm. in touch going into those final few games. Mm, that's definitely. the key thing. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the end of uh, part one there, Mike. Uh, we'll be back shortly to uh, discuss part two, where we're going to um, look ahead to the... Uh, massive games they're all massive games Albert two massive games against Portville and Bolton so we'll be back in just a sec Hi this is George Tanner you are listening to the Brunton Bugle Okay we're back for part two now Um, uh, as usual we've managed to get an opposition podcast to come on and discuss with us obviously last week we had Adam Johnson from BBC Radio Come. big thanks again to Adam for coming on the show we really appreciate that this week we've spoke to guys from the Port Vale podcast uh, the Vale and the Ale pod um, you can tell what their big hobbies are, can't you? Um, hmm. We've got Johnny on from their podcast uh, to, do, to discuss the game and discuss what a disappointment they've been, especially to us. <laughs> because we'll, hmm. we'll talk about it in a minute, but we, we had big hopes from this season. Um, yeah. and, and talk about their big upturn in form recently and what the hopes are for, for next season and the future. So uh, here's the chat we have with Johnny now. Johnny, I think in pre-season, a lot of people were expecting to Portville to be one of the uh, big contenders for promotion. And... On our podcast, we definitely did. We predicted you guys to finish in the top three, all three of us, all three of the hosts. Didn't really work out that way, has it? It's, it's been a bit of a topsy-turvy season, is it fair to say, at Vale Park? 
Um, yeah, something like that. Um, all th- all three of our, our guys also topped us. Um, had us had us top three. Um, I think the 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 biggest issue was we we were very reactive this year. Um, now our, our our chair is in her first real season um, as as chair. She she obviously took took over last year. Sorted a few of the internal issues out because there was a lot, um, and this season was her first real season. She she set herself up massively by telling everyone we don't do eighth, um, so that put a lot of expectation on fans and probably the players as well. And then we went on a horror run from November, so we kind of waited to see if we could get out of that and then by the time we actually acted and hired a new manager it was it was a little too late so yeah, yeah. it's it's been a hard season yeah I we say it's been a tough season for you but recent form I mean the turnaround since Daryl Clark has come in it's been incredible I mean he's not exactly a, a, a glamour name although he's someone who's done well at this level before but struggled a bit of Walsall what kind of a job has he done there it just seems amazing that he's turned around so much the main difference that we can see as fans is fitness. Um, the players look like they can run and press and do the jobs for 90 minutes. And now that's not a, a dig at the previous management, but previously they were set up for the play a certain way. So the way Clark plays, the fitness required is different. But I just think that you look at them and you, you look at each one of them and you think they'll run through a brick wall for you now, whereas before they were just a bit like, nah, it's not for me, this isn't. Yeah, interesting. Askey obviously was your manager previously, wasn't he? And yeah. I think a lot was expecting me. Obviously, he did a brilliant job at Macclesfield, a club where he's a, an absolute legend. He went to Shrewsbury and struggled a bit to make the step up there. People felt maybe this was the right club for him, obviously, being because obviously he played for you guys, didn't he? I think early in his career, or he was with you at least, anyway. Yeah. I mean, where did it go wrong for him, do you reckon? Um, Kings Lynn in the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 looks like that's the bit where we pinpoint that the season took a massive nosedive. Um, to be honest, we've heard a lot of rumours, um, and obviously not all rumours are facts. Um, and we 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 try as best to to fact check a lot of stuff because, as you, as you'll probably be aware, you get sent a lot of things where oh, my mates my mates hairdressers told yeah, me this yeah. sort of thing. I heard plenty of them. Yeah, so we, we've heard a lot of things, and, and some of the stuff that we know is probably true because you, you'll know all about the lad, but Harry McCurdy was apparently causing a bit of issues. I'm, um, I'm genuinely shocked to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get but, on to him later because he's, he's one I want to ask about, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, so he was apparently causing a bit of issues, and there was a couple of other players causing issues, and it it seems to stem, stem right back to communication, really. ASCII wasn't a man of many words even in his interviews he was very mm. subtle and I couldn't imagine ever he always came across as a bit like a supply teacher is the best way where you couldn't ever imagine being being shouted at by him and we've got a very strong dressing room so sometimes the players mm. probably needed a kick in and telling sort yourselves out rather than the nicey nice approach um, and then Kings Lynn happened and then we went on a horror run of I think four or five defeats in a row and it just it just failed from there really we, we, we couldn't see any way back but the board trusted him mm. believed in him um, and backed him for another five five six games where it didn't turn around and then they finally acted 
middle of January. So it was a kind of trust thing because obviously he did really well last season with us. We were playing mm. some nice football. A home record was brilliant. So it was a trust thing, but we live and learn. He strikes me as one of those kind of people who maybe it just works for him at one club, really. In the way that, you know, Macclesfield's a club where he is, you know, a god there, basically, for what he's done as a player yeah. and, a, and manager. So it's just one of those things, isn't it, I guess? Uh, just quickly, let, let's go on to... I've, I've titled this bit Carlisle Rejects, but it's probably a harsh way of putting it. But you've had a hell of a lot of players in recent years who've played for Carlisle at some point in recent history, haven't you? It's, it yeah. seems a bit of a conveyor belt. I mean, at the moment, you've currently got five in Sean Brisley, Luke Joyce, David Amu, Mark Cullen, and obviously... The aforementioned Mr. McCurdy, who we will let's have a separate point about him in a second because <laughs> there's so much you could talk about that boy, um, and obviously as well Richie Bennett in the fairly recent past as well. How have all they those five got on? I mean, particularly Luke Joyce out of those, I think is the one who Carl fans will remember most fondly. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll start. We'll, we'll start at the back. Brisley, <laughs> um, when he comes on into a game, he is the worst centre half you will ever see. Because he just can't seem to grasp how to play football when he when he comes into a game. When he starts a game, he's, he's your old-fashioned horrible centre-half. He kicks everything, he heads everything, and that's including people. And he actually, we've moved to a back three recently, and he actually looks very comfortable there. We don't expect him to play football because that's not Brisley. But... It's funny you say that, because for us, he was brought in almost as a, a ball-playing centre-back to play alongside Michael Raines for us. And, he act- and you know what? He actually scored a 30-yard left-foot volley for us against Yeovil. <laughs> Honestly, if you Google it, if you get the chance, it's the most ridiculous goal for him. Totally out of character. He just hammers it with his left foot. Bear in mind, he's right-footed as well over the keeper. It's brilliant. Well, yeah, I, I, suppose, I suppose that's that's quite interesting because for, for us, he, he can't really pass, pass wind. Mm. Um, and he just looks like he does the simple stuff well. And obviously, some players are geared up that way. Um, so, yeah, Brisley is one of them signings where when he starts, you're confident. If he comes on in a game, you're thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen here? <laughs> um, moving on to Joyce. Well, what can we say? He's one of our best players, even at 35. He, he, he sorts that midfield out well. He dictates it. He, he does He does that role in between the, mid, the, the back three at the minute and the midfield four in front of him. He marshals that. He takes the ball. He's comfortable. You know all about Joyce. He's, he's, he's Mister Dependable, isn't he? Yeah, he's a seven out of ten most weeks, isn't he? Yeah. So, and that and that's the thing we like about Joyce. It's just that when he first arrived, a lot of Vale fans didn't appreciate him. Yeah. Because Same he's not glamorous. <laughs> yeah, he's not glamorous, is he? He doesn't score goals. He doesn't get assists. Well, again, he scored a goal of the season for us from about thirty-five yards into the top corner. Again, an utterly ridiculous goal for a player you wouldn't expect it from. Well, he, he did that to, against Morecambe for us last mm. season as well. So he's obviously got it in his locker. He just doesn't he doesn't like showing off too much. <laughs> but yeah, that, I, I really like Joycey. Um, yeah. Amu, he's he's an enigma. Absolutely. Best way. <laughs> you'll get you'll either get a ten out of ten or a one out of ten performance mm. from him. And we, luckily, last season we got the good Dave Amu. He was brilliant last season. Mm. This season he's been hit with injuries and a lot of Cambridge fans were saying he'll have five on, five off. And that's how it's it, it seemed with him, which is a shame because there's a player in there somewhere. It's just, oh yeah, you've got a game on the pitch. I think his best spell of his career probably has been with us, actually. Funny enough, he had a <laughs> spell where he scored a lot of goals for us, but he just, 
he just dropped off towards the end and it was inevitable that he was probably going to leave at that point. Yeah. Mm. And then the last one before, obviously, the one that would, the one that you'll <laughs> yeah. want to talk about, Mark Cullen, hasn't scored away from home for us um, since, since, since he's had him and looks like he's towing a caravan at the minute. Mm. Um, he just, he's another one that just can't stay fit. Yeah, same problem um, we had with him. We signed him injured <laughs> in the hope that he'd help us for a playoff campaign. And I think he only ended up playing about 10 games in the end. So, yeah, yeah there's a player in there. There's a yeah. goal scorer in there as well. Definitely. That's the thing. When, when he's on the pitch, you can see there's a goal scorer in there. It's just that, unfortunately, it's just, no, I don't I don't think professional football is going to be his, his level next season. No, no. Um, all right, let's get on to the troublemaker himself. One of the most infuriating players I've seen play for Carlisle in recent seasons because, my God, he's got ability. He's got pace. He's got trickery. He's got everything you could want to be a top-quality winger. A player should probably play at championship level. But his attitude off the pitch, Harry McCurdy, it, it just it baffles me. He spent a huge chunk of his time with us arguing with the fans. And bear in mind, he was top scorer 11 goals. But he, he scored a goal, funny enough, against Daryl Clark when he was Warsaw manager. We beat them 2-1. On New Year's Eve, I think it was, on New Year's Day, and he he scored a last minute back header, brilliant goal, really well taken, and he refused to celebrate with the fans, even though it was a last minute winner. And it, our players were trying to drag him towards the fans, but he basically he'd been having a go at the fans in games prior prior to that. He was putting stuff on his Instagram, putting the finger to his lips and things like that. He also seems to spend a lot of his time on his Instagram stuff without talking about Chelsea and how he goes to watch Chelsea play. He's, I think he wants to be a professional Chelsea fan, basically. But from what you said there, then, it sounds like he, he hasn't really learnt his lesson at Port Vale. He, he was handed that chance. He was a player who, when we let him go, there should have been League One clubs chasing him, but clearly word had got out about his off-the-field issues. And you do wonder if he's going to make it as a professional footballer, really, don't you? Yeah, we, we took a punt on him at the start of the season because mm. we had Reese Brown, um, a winger, that he just he just left. He'd started in pre-season, um, Amu had got injured, so uh, Reese had got the chance. And about three weeks before the season started, he just left. It was just like mutual termination, and it was a bit confusing, really, why he left. Um, and it wasn't like he'd left to go to another club, he just he just left. So he said it was family, family, personal reasons, he moved back down south sort of thing, so that's understandable. But we were left short of a winger. Um, McCurdy being semi-local, we had a couple of ex-Villa players. Um, like we had um, Mitchell Clark here, who's, who who'd played with him, and and such like. So we took a punt, I think, um, hoping that being out of contract and in, in the middle of a pandemic would kick him up the arse, basically. And it failed miserably under Askey. Um, there was, I think we only saw him about five or six times, to be fair. There wasn't a lot of game time, which suggests that stuff was going on off the field. Mm-hmm. There was lots of rumours going on about his attitude on, on, off the field. There's lots of rumours about training ground antics. We've spoken to players and stuff like that, and most of the players have said, no, that stuff hasn't happened, but they're also never going to dig someone out that they're in no. the dressing room with. Um <laughs> But yeah, Clarks came in and McCurdy wasn't even in the 25 um, because we've got 40-odd players registered, I think. <laughs> it 
it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so he wasn't even in the twenty-five. So he's he's been coming in. He's been training. He played he played a couple of friendlies for Leicester under twenty-threes. Um, so he he wasn't involved. And then Cork had an interview where he was asked about him, and he see Cork seemed a bit peeved by it because he says that there's a player in there and he believes in himself that he can get that player on the pitch and get that ability out there. I believe Daryl Court can do that because at the minute he's turned the squad that looked destined for, for, for non-league into a squad that looks unbeatable. So he can do anything for me at the minute. <laughs> Obviously, the groundedness of me thinks there's a lot of managers that have tried with Harry McCurdy. Yeah. But, and it's, does he care? That's the question. Yeah. I, I think, does Harry McCurdy care? Yeah. I mean, even Stephen Presley, the manager who brought him in to us, even he was taking him out of the squad at times because he, there, there was clearly issues there. There, there. Like, I agree with you that there is a player there with ability. I, I just wonder, he, he's going to find himself at Stafford Rangers within a couple of years, the way he's playing. That's 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 just the reality of it right now. Um, let's move on from him then. A um, couple more quick questions. So, uh, what are the hopes for the future then at Vale? Because obviously we've mentioned before you've got new owners who've been in place for a year or two now and they, from the interviews I've read they seem to have their heart in the right place and they seem to be you know they're, they're looking forward at the club aren't they? They seem to have good ambitions don't they? Yeah very much so they, all, they, they say all the right things and to, to be fair to them the actions that they've started to put in place are the right actions so um before obviously the pandemic hit, they arranged for the the Lawn Street stand, which hasn't been had seats in yeah. half of it for about four hundred years, <laughs> to actually have seats in it because we were having a, a concert at the Vale Park with Robbie. Yep. Um, so they'd arranged that the exposure and stuff. They were going to release the new home shirt on the same day. You know, you know the sort of things. Yeah, they, yeah. They've got the, the sort of advertising. The we, we're using Robbie Williams quite a lot because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, he's a global star at the end of the day and if he can shift a few extra shirts for you let's go for it so they're doing the right things there they've they've spoken about the right things in in terms of what needs to take the club forward so they've hired a director of football and David Flickcroft mm-hmm. um, he went for the manager's job originally and had a six hour conversation with the chair to say look this club is not in a good place in, in the nicest possible way there is too much wrong off the field for a manager to come in and fix there needs to be a complete restructure so he basically talked himself into a job so either he's 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 brilliant (laughs) at it or the stuff he said is spot on now the stuff that's came out since i.e players haven't been having medicals when they've been signed there's been no fitness data for for how much the players have run or what activities they did during the five months off they had um and such like shows that actually he, he hasn't talked to me itself into a job there is a there is a role and a job there for him mm-hmm. um so so they're doing the right things there um they're spending money which you can't criticize them for because yeah. they've sacked a manager they've paid for a manager from another club um They've restructured the hiring staff. We've got quite a big coaching staff at the minute, but it's it's actually a needed coaching staff because they're not all first-team coaching staff. Um, and Vale fans are getting a bit worried by that because we seem to hire a new coach every other week sort of thing, but they don't understand every club's got that sort of setup. They just yeah. don't announce, oh, we've signed a youth coach sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, the, it, things are going the right way. 
it's just now we need to see action on the pitch, which in the last six we have. So, yeah, well, you can. I suppose your aim for this season now is just you know get a good finish and carry that form on into next season and not drop off like you did last season, obviously. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, quickly, couple more things. So, first up, um, who are the danger men to watch out for this weekend? Oh, danger men. So Devante Rodney up front. Um, we signed him on a free at the start of the season as a bit of a rough diamond, someone that we could use and polish. Um, he's played pretty much every week since um, due to injury, strikers not being able to barn door and such like. Um, he is very much um, a striker that probably if you give it to him in a six-yard box, will probably be wired. Um, if you let him have it from 20 yards there, he'll bury it top corner. Um, he's, he's very hit and miss and it's frustrating at times, but there's a good player in there. And then the other one is Dave Worrell, top assister in the league with Callum Guy. Yeah. And it's just, what can you say about Was? He's he, he's brilliant. He's like an energizer bunny. Mm. Uh, to be honest, I, I would have picked Worrell out of your squad. I think the one to watch definitely. And I, I don't know if he's playing much at the moment, but Tom Pope is always a nuisance whenever he plays against us, from what I remember, but there you go. Yeah, Popey um, broke his collarbone against Sunderland oh. about eight weeks ago, so he's only just coming back. So he hasn't been in squads recently, but there's a chance. Yeah. Finally, Johnny, thanks for giving up your time, particularly today. Um, what's your predictions for the game? At the minute, we look unbeatable, and that's not just because we've gone on a six-game run. We we aren't conceding chances. We're scoring goals. We're we're putting the product on the pitch. You're in really good form, though, like in in the sense of where you're at in the league. You've got a decent manager under your belt, and Callum Guy's a nuisance <laughs> because when we had him on loan, he was brilliant. So mm. that's frustrating. <laughs> um, I think I'd be happy with a draw, but I could probably see you nicking it because mm. the pessimist inside me says that we can't keep we can't go on winning forever. So. Oh, well, there you go. I think you're the first one since we've had on this to uh, to be that, um, even though you're in good form, to, to, to predict us to possibly win it. So, She's supporting Vale, mate. It does this to you. <laughs> hey, it's the same with Carl. I can tell you <laughs> that now. Johnny, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, all the best for us this season. You too, Lee. Thank you. Big thanks again to Johnny for taking the time out to speak to us about all things Port Vale. Um, so let's get on to that one then, Mike. The first game up. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you, it's one of those same ones if you played them maybe a month or so ago you'd be quite happy to play them because they're in rotten form but mm. my god they are the form team in the division the, the job Daryl Clark's done over the last month or so is incredible isn't it yeah definitely I mean you know like he says six wins in a row and the game before that was obviously a 1-0 defeat to Bolton which there isn't a lot of shame in that no, really not at all, not you, at all. you know especially given where they were in the table before that game um so, yeah, he really seems to have, have turned things around. And, you know, you'd look at the league table and think that this is the easier of the two. But I don't think either of these games you could call easier than the other. No, they're, they're, they're probably, bar Cheltenham, you'd argue these are the two toughest games we've got left. Yeah, probably, definitely. And Cheltenham in a Tuesday night away game as well. The only hope for Cheltenham is that they'll have wrapped it up promotion by that point, hopefully. Yeah. That, that's the thing we're really praying for, isn't it, really? Mm. Um yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's a game like I, I really do want three points from it. I, I think we need three points, don't we? Basically, the yeah. more I think about it, we, we have to win this one. Whether 
we can't keep getting draws to keep ourselves in touch because looking at the fixtures this weekend for the other teams as well, not all of them are going to arse it up, are they? Mm. One of them is going to try and pull away, isn't it? Aren't they? So, mm. so yeah, um, a bit disappointing for us how well these lot have done this season, isn't it? Because I seem to remember on the pre-season prediction episode, all three of us boldly predicted that Port Vale would finish top three, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, and they've just been an absolute mess, haven't they? I think from what Johnny was saying there, it, the problem seems to be that Askey just didn't have the discipline as a manager. Mm. It seems he, he worked wonders at Macclesfield. He did a brilliant job there, and he's a legend at Macclesfield. Always will be, but it just feels like the shoes been Port Vale being too big a step up for them, him, don't they? And it, it seems. I mean, let's get on to him. Harry McCurdy. Mm. Still a problem wherever he goes, isn't he? He just doesn't seem to get it into his head. Yeah, I don't quite understand what's going on with him because he, he hasn't been registered, has he? But he's I registered again now. He's registered again now. Yeah, yeah. As Johnny sort of, he sort of very briefly touched it there, but uh, basically, um, McCurdy wasn't registered for January for the changes to the squad because they've got something stupid like thirty, forty players in their squad. Mm. And not many of them are young, <laughs> so they have to basically deregister them if they're not. Mm. So McCurdy was deregistered, but then the lad who um, was there's one of their wingers, one of their better players, got injured and out for the rest of the season. So they're allowed on that basis to put someone else back into the squad, mm. and that's what they've done with McCurdy. But he's not really featured since then. Obviously, mm. he went off to Leicester and did his trial thing. I mean, he, he, it, it's it's a little bit sad in a sense. It's such a waste of a talent in in his case, but. If he can't get into his head and he's just obsessed with winding up fans and mm. rumours that he was very disruptive in the training ground at Port Vale, rumours that have been denied, I have to say, but, you know, mud sticks eventually. And the same thing was said about his time at Carlisle and by all accounts in his previous loan spells as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because when he left us in the summer... You know, he'd had a good season, sort of goals and assists wise. And I think if he should have been, he should have been targeting a League One move based on yeah, those he stats. Have been, and I think if his attitude matched his ability, he would have had loads of clubs coming for him. But he didn't join Port Vale until relatively late in the they window. They took either, a punt did on him, didn't they? I think they lost yeah. a player. As he mentioned there, they lost a player and basically brought him in as a replacement yeah. and a punt to see if he could maybe turn his career around. Mm. But as it is, he, like I said there. He's going to be at Stafford Rangers next season if he's if he's not yeah, careful. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and if he's lucky. Yeah, or Bromley with uh, with his mate Byron Webster. <laughs> uh, I think they probably think better of it. Probably, I'd imagine. But well, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, this is going to be a tough one. Like I said, you look at this squad. The, there is quality in there. And it, it still amazes you, doesn't it? That mm. he, he didn't manage to turn around. I mean, David Worrell's the one that stands out, isn't he? he he's, he's up there. Just I think he's just behind Callum Guy now on the assists. Mm. But he's a player I've always really, really liked, and mm. you know, he's doing a great job at, at Parville. Credit to him. Um, yeah, so let's move on to the Bolton one now. Then I mean, again, this is going to be a tough one. If you look back at when we played them on Boxing Day, you wouldn't have thought this was a tough game coming towards the end of the season. You thought, great, that should be shouldn't be too difficult. But their turnaround in form, not quite since then, because they had a couple of tough results after that as well. But mm. since the turn of the year. Yeah, Ian Everett is a, he's a quite an arrogant bloke, isn't he? The way he speaks and he's, mm. he's actually he's a very cocky bloke. But he's walking the walk right now, isn't he? The job he's doing there. 
Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's not so long ago that we were saying beach out, and I'm so I'm sure that the uh, Bolton fans were saying Everton out. And you know, to be fair, they've given him time. They probably given him time because you know he's on like a three year deal there, isn't he? And uh, it costs quite a lot to to sack him. But oh. you know, he, he's he's repaid that and um, really turned things around. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won the league. To be honest. Well, I think Dan's home for that because I think he's got a little bit of money on them to win, yeah. doesn't he? So I think Cheltenham still might just about do it. I think they've probably got enough to to actually win it. But but yeah, it, it is incredible. I think he's probably quite lucky, and I think he's benefited from the fact that fans aren't at games, doesn't he? Because if fans mm, had been at games, they would have been on his back. Yeah, and I think the board wouldn't have had much choice. But because it's it's internet talk, basically similar, similar with us. I think if we'd had fans at games, I'd imagine the board might have got a little bit twitchy possibly yeah. but obviously they knew behind the scenes what had happened with COVID and stuff like that mm. um, but yeah I mean you look at the squad you, you would expect a squad like that though to be up near the top of the league and he's done the job that's expected of him hasn't it really to get them up and out of the league yeah. to the first attempt not yet obviously but it mm. looks likely now that they're going to go up you think, you'd imagine that top three probably isn't going to change before the end of the season you'd, you'd think yeah, probably not, no. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm just trying to think now from our perspective, you know, would two points be okay from these games? I know we need three to get into the playoffs, but these are two very, very tough games. And mm. I, I think I'd want three minimum from these yeah, two games, definitely. I, I, Four probably would be the, the best result I think we could hope for. Six yeah, would be def- amazing. But, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, Um you look, like I said, you look through that Bolton squad. I mean, Owen Doyle's the other one who stands out, doesn't he? I mean, he, he's a, a quality player who, mm. he, you know, they brought him in to get goals, and he's got goals at the end of the day. Mm. Um, not as many as you probably would have hoped, but what can you do? I think the signing of Kieran Lee, I think they got him in January, didn't they? A good experienced midfielder at this level. You know, he's been mm. at Oldham and Sheffield Wednesday. Um, interestingly, one of their star men for them, they've always banged on about, is Ricardo Santos um, at centre back. He didn't look a star man on Boxing Day, did he? No, no. <laughs> he, he, he was up for the Jude Sterling Award for the worst centre, or worst defensive performance of an opposition player mm. against Carlisle for the season. He he looked a shambles, and he looks like the kind of player who's a big physical lad. He's strong, but if, if you get in and around him and get quick and harass him, he doesn't look comfortable on the ball, does he? No, no. Um, but obviously, there's something that they, you know, the Bolton fans who see him week in, week out, see that we didn't see that day. I think he'd maybe had one too many minutes pies the day before. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he certainly hadn't laid off the turkey the way he was playing, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. But, yeah. but no, he, he looks a good player for them now and, you know, full credit. I mean, I'm looking at their last lineup, and it's just good players all around, isn't it? I think they, they, they play a back... Do they play a back four now, I think, possibly? Mm. Um, obviously, Geffen Jones, ex-Carlisle in there, isn't he? Um, uh, Sean Miller came on as a sub and Arta Ganua was on the bench. Um, interestingly, uh, they had Max Madison on loan from Charlton, didn't they? Mm. He's a player who's, you know, a lot expected him in the past when he was at Peterborough, you know, big expectations. He's returned from his loan spell early to mm. Charlton, hasn't he? Mm. Rumoured that he wasn't particularly settled off the pitch. I think he's got a young kid and being away from London a lot of the time, obviously with the loan spell, obviously with restrictions on, you know, mixing and things like that due to covid I think it just got to him a little bit too much and he never really settled there, did he? And he's gone back now. So mm. the one player weaker in that sense, but I mean, when you look at the players they've got there anyway, 
yeah. don't think they're worrying too much, are they, right now? No, I mean, I think the diff because we predicted big things for them and Salford, didn't we, at the start of the yeah. season? And, and I think the difference between the two is that Salford have thrown money at like sort of Championship League One players and hope that that's enough. But Bolton have bought League Two players in who know yeah. the league and know what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and useful players like Miller, who can, you know, he's not going to start every game, but he'll come on and he'll run and he'll cause problems and he knows the celebrity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's the big difference. And I mean, if you get little gems like Arta Kanua as well, who you know who's done really well for them. I think he's had a few injury problems, but when he's played, he's been a big star, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's it's a shame that we never really got to see that at Carlisle. We got to see about twenty minutes of him, didn't we? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll never forget that. He's not mm. quite the, the shortest Carl United career ever, but you know he wasn't too far off. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> That's that's Bolton for you. It's going to be a tough game. It'd be nice to play our first game at the uh, University of Bolton Stadium. Shame that we can't be there to to see it. Uh, It'll really. still always be the Reebok in my head. Isn't it? It's one of those ones, isn't it? They always say that the best sponsorship deal you'll get for a new for a new stadium is always the first one. It's always yeah. the one you'll get the most money for because yeah. that company knows that they will be the company you'll always know the stadium by. Yeah, and exactly. That, that's the challenge. That's why. For us, it's always best to get Emirates to sign up for a new deal every season, or the Etihad as well. But mm. there you go. Also, the Etihad's a bit different because it's the actual owners, isn't it? But mm. there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, generally looking at the the running now, Mike. Let's have a quick look at that now. Six games left for United. A few game teams around us have got only five games left, so that that is helpful. Port Vale up next. They're in fourteenth, but as you mentioned, form wise, really, really good playing really well. Bolton third, again, form-wise, been brilliant. Then we've got, for me, a, a big opportunity in Harrogate. Now, Harrogate are currently 17th and dropping like a stone, aren't they? Yeah. The key thing is, they're 23rd in the form table. Only Forest Green are in worse form than, mm. than them. So, I mean, I can't remember the last time they won a game. That Their recent form, they haven't won in the last six, at the very least, mm. Harrogate. So that's a game where you think, Three points, it's got to be. And then you've got the massive one against Cheltenham, mm. who are top of the league, albeit they're only eighth in the form table. So we're ahead of them in the form table. Mm. So you'd hope maybe by then they will have secured promotion. You, you don't know. I don't know how the results are going to work out. Then there's a trip to Leighton Orient. Now, Leighton Orient are currently 11th in the table, but form-wise, they're sixth. So very similar to us as well, but they've not won in the last three. Mm. And then we finish off home against Walsall. Which a while back you'd look and think, oh, you know, they, they, they've dropped down the table. You know, they're in 18th place, should be an easy enough one. They've not lost in the last six either. Mm-hmm. Four draws in there, but they've got two wins mm-hmm. in the last two. And the mm-hmm. wins have been against Forest Green and Tranmere. Mm-hmm. So, last game of the season, you'd hope maybe they might ease off now they're safe, maybe. And, you know, hopefully they'll have their flip flops on and we'll be going for something. But. It's it's not as easy running as I'd, I thought. Harrogate's the one that stands out as a game where you can pick up three points. Definitely, you'd think. Yeah. But the rest, the challenging fixtures, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And I said last week, didn't I, that it's going to go right down to the final day. And you know, I haven't changed that opinion because it's it really is going to be a a, a tough running. And I, th- I think we have to do it this year because I think the players that we have, you know, your likes of Riley Guy. Uh, Hayden when he's better Tanner you know players like that they're too good for this level and I I, I, I just feel like if they go you know we're just back to square one again and the the positive I've got from that though is 
we've got the trigger clause in all their contracts. We do, so, yeah. So we'd get money for them. And, you know, yeah. the young players, and we should get good money for them. Riley, I think the, the, the positive there is that with his injury record, maybe teams won't take a punt on him straight away. They might wait and go for the January transfer window after that, possibly. That's mm. that's the hope. But but the other positive I was looking at here is the teams around us are challenging for the playoffs. Not many of them are in good form. We're mm. in the best form of all of them, really, mm. when you look at it. And Steven is just below us, but I think they're probably now just out of contention, I think. Leighton Orient, again, it's one of those ones in it. Orient maybe still just in contention. Bradford, you'd probably argue. I think Crawley's too late for them just because of having played a game less. Mm. But if you look at the form table for those teams, I mean, I'm just looking down at you now. Exeter City, 13 from the form table. They lost last time out against Barrow. Salford City, 15 from the form table. Lost to Bolton last time out. Had a three, three games without a loss before that, but they've had mm. some iffy results prior to that. Crawley, again, their win against Bradford last time out was the first win that they had in God knows how many games. Forest Green Rovers, not winning God knows how many games either. Tranmere, again, not winning. Some of their fans, I think they don't mean they're winning eight. Some of their fans are calling for Keith Hill's head. I mm. thought they'd be nailed on to finish top three the way they were playing. I thought they were in a really yeah, good position. Yeah. They've dropped off. And then Bradford are 11th in the form table. They're iffy, but I think that maybe it might be tough for them with some of their remaining fixtures. We're in a good position in terms of our form. That that's what's really playing in our favour, I think. We are, but with these two tough games, you know, hoping you know that we at least say say if we get two draws from these next two games, then you're saying of us, oh, Carlisle haven't won the last four games, you know. So that's that's the way it is. And would you would you then take though a win and a draw? Sorry, oh. winning winning a defeat. Sorry, so if we win against Port Vale to get us in there and then you accept that Bolton are a really good team and they're probably going to win that one I think the fixtures are quite favourable as well actually yeah definitely yeah I mean yeah I, w- I would definitely take that um, but yeah we'll we'll just see what happens and you know never never give up because yeah. it's going to go right to the wire well I'm, I'm looking at that Tuesday night game I'm just quickly looking at the fixtures here now I mean Bradford v Tranmere is one of the fixtures the night we play Bolton mm. Forest Green against Exeter mm. <laughs> That's two huge ones there. Leighton Orient are playing Cambridge. Mm. You know, of the team, and Newport have got home game against Crawley. Now that's the one where you think Newport maybe got a bit of an advantage there. Um, Salford are away at Walsall, and Walsall, like we've seen, are picking up really good form the last few games. Yeah. So actually, it might not end up being the worst night to lose a game. I don't want yeah. us to lose a game, but that's that's the night where you think actually it might not be too bad for us. Whereas you look at the Saturday game when we play against Port Vale. Exeter at home against Southend should be a gimme for them. You'd think three points, surely. Forest Green against Scunthorpe, good chance for them maybe to get back to winning ways because Scunthorpe have just given up for the season, haven't they, really? Yeah. Um, Bradford are away at Harrogate. Local derby, maybe Harrogate play for a bit of pride and get a draw, hopefully, from that one. Leighton aren't home against Barrow. Not not an easy game for them. I mean, tough, long trip for Barrow, but you never know. And Newport at home against Cambridge. Mm. So you'd think... Newport potentially could lose that one. Cambridge really want to get top three place nailed down. Mm. And then Tramir against Salford. Mm. <laughs> Two teams around us playing each other. So if you get three points against Port Vale, we could be in the playoffs at that point. And then you'd think to yourself, okay, Bolton, let's make sure we don't get beat. And if we do get beat, teams around us might not pick up the points. Yeah. Well, I, I think as well, I think goal difference will be 
potentially massive as well. And just looking now, we have better goal difference than Bolton in third, Morecambe in fourth, Tranmere in fifth, and equal goal difference to Newport in sixth, and better than Forest Green in seventh. And if we're going to catch up to get up to the point of them, it's only going to increase, isn't it? Because they're going to win games. Exactly, and they're going to lose games. So, you know, theirs will drop further. And I'll quickly look ahead to the weekend after, obviously, when we play Harrogate. I'm looking at the fixtures here now. I mean, Forest Green are away at Crawley. Crawley playing so much bloody big part in their running Mm. and their form's crap. Although they beat Bradford last time out, so maybe they'll pick up a little bit. Maybe they think they've got a last chance. Exeter are at home against Newport. Again, two teams playing each other. I mean, Morecambe is still just about catchable. They're playing at home against Bolton. Uh, Bradford away at Port Vale, a form team again. Salford have got Man City, sorry, Man City, Mansfield Town. <laughs> I don't know, that would, if, if only. Salford have got Mansfield Town at home. Um, Leighton Orton away at Southend. Everyone's got bloody Southend and they're running, haven't they, it seems. Um, and Tranmere at home against Barrow. Mm. So, you know, then there's opportunities there in these next three games to get ourselves into a playoff position. We, 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 what we'll do is for the next two preview episodes we've got coming up, we'll we'll take a proper good look mm. at those the fixtures people have got coming up, so we can yeah. say, look, this is this is who's against who. So we maybe won't focus so much on the opposition in those games. We'll focus on the, the clashes coming up, won't we? I think yeah, in those games. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Um, team news. So obviously, Divine and Coyote are now back fit again. Don't feel there's any new injuries from Tuesday night. Didn't look like it, did they? Um, Morgan Feeney still closing on that return. We don't know when that reserve game is going to be played yet. Um, out for the rest of the season, uh, Jamie Armstrong, Reese Bennett and Brennan Dickinson. Uh, predictions, Mike. Dan hasn't sent his predictions in to me. So let's just say he's gone for two 2-0 two wins because that's what he likes to pick. Yeah. Um, what are you going to go for? I'm going to be bold and dangerous and I'm going to say that we're going to get a 0-0 against Port Vale but we're going to beat Bolton 2-1. Ooh. Oh. I know, and 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 the goal scorers will have uh, Mellish and McDonald finally getting his goal. You really fancy that, don't you? Okay, well, I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to go super positive, super positive. Two 0 winning against Port Vale. Oh. And I'm going to go for a two one win against Bolton. Oh. I'm going to go for goal scorers against Port Vale. Um, John Mellish and. Amari Patrick, and then against Bolton. Have we got any ex-Bolton players in our squad? Uh, I don't know if we have, have we? sure if we do, now. No, I don't think we have, because I fancy one of them to do. Um, I'm going to go for, in that game, a goal for Aaron Hayden, and oh, do I go for Colm Guy finally? That's the question. Uh, no, I'm going to go for Zanzala. Zanzala will get the winner in that game. So there you go. Yeah. In fact, no, no, tell you what, I'm going to go for Zanzal and Coyote. That's what I'm going to go for for my goal scorers in the Bolton game. Coyote's yeah, well, going to come back in. Thinking about it, you know, obviously it's a home game for them. They're doing very well. They're going to probably be playing with quite a high line. So, you know, players like Patrick and Zanzala with their pace will be able to get in behind and hopefully cause them a lot of problems. Yeah, you hope so. so yeah. Okay, well, let's go on to the X-Files then quickly, Mike. Um have a look at how ex-United players and coaches have been getting on across the world. Um, I'm looking at the group here. I haven't had a chance to tie it down in the running order, but uh looks at Ryan Bowman scored for Exeter at the weekend, as did Mark Beck. Nice to see him get on the score sheet for Harrogate. Um, as well as that, finally back in the goal-scoring uh, list, 
Charlie Wyke, taking him a while, but he scored for Sunderland. Uh, Terrible season he's having. Oh, he's having an absolute shocker, isn't he? That was a a midweek or that one. Um, Cole Stockton scoring again for um, for Morecambe. They beat uh, was it was for They beat four one, wasn't it in midweek? Mm. Um, interestingly, John O'Sullivan set up three goals in that game. He's having a terrific season for them as well. Fair mm. play to the lad. He, he's turned his career around there, hasn't he? I think both of them have actually. Mm. Um, Angelo Balanta scored for Dagenham and Redbridge in the conference. Uh, Pat Bruff scored against us, but he also scored against Exeter as well. The Cumbrian Carlos, as uh, Dan has uh, labelled him. We'll have to find a... Th- is there any left-backs you can think of who, whose name begins with an S? Because he's from Silif, isn't he? Uh, I haven't got a clue. The Silif Shaw, maybe. I don't know, something like that. But there you go. But yeah, he's having a terrific season. But fair play to Pat. Uh, Jack Bridge scored again for Bromley. He's getting a few goals for them, isn't he? Like I said, he's a player. You do wonder if he must look back and think to himself... Oh, should have took that contract offer at Carlo. We don't know what it was. It might have been reduced terms and not particularly good money, but mm. maybe one of those ones with incentives if you'd done well. But there you go. And uh, Paddy Madden scored a brace for Stockport, didn't he? Yeah. He's uh, getting in the. I mean, he's going to score for fun. if they don't get up for the playoffs. He's going to score for fun in the conference next season, isn't he? In the national yeah, league, definitely. sorry, to give it its correct title. Um, and other than that, that's it really. Other than the fact that uh, Jerry Yates is again being linked to a move, isn't he? He's been linked with a move to uh, Rangers now. Mm. Interesting one that. I think he'd have a really good time in the SPL, wouldn't he? I think he's, he he's valued at, t- at two mil, I think. And I think, yeah, he'd, he'd tear it to, to shreds. He really would. You think he would, wouldn't he? Uh, Mike, that's it then. Uh, no quiz again this week because Dan off season with us. He's, he's away with work this week, so not being able to get him on. But hopefully we'll get him on after the Bolton game next week and we'll get some, uh, some good reaction to that and we'll talk about the running. Hopefully an exciting running for us. Hopefully... I just really hope it's not season over, don't you? Just just, just get two good results, two good, solid yeah. results. Nothing flashy. And let's get ourselves into those playoffs. That's yeah, the end, definitely. isn't it? Um, so, yeah, if you've got any comments or anything you'd like uh, us to discuss, any feedback, then, uh, as usual, you, you can find us on the uh, Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group. Um, you can get us on Twitter, at Brunton Bugle, or you can email us, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. To be honest, yeah, I've been a bit bad. I haven't really been looking at the, uh, the email too much over the last week. I've been quite busy with work and stuff, but I'll have a look through and see if there's anything in there that people want to contribute to. Um, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, all Google Podcast apps, so Google, Apple, um, Spotify, Acast, iHeartRadio, any podcast app, get on there. You'll find us. Search for Brunton Bugle. If we're not on there, let us know because we can usually get ourselves on there as well if we uh, request it. Um and yeah, that's it, I think, really. Um, let's have a quick look, Mike, and see if there's anything new on the map. Oh, we've got a new country. We've got a new country. Could it be our one-time five appearances or something like that left back from the 2013-14 season? Alessio Bunyo. Is that 2012-13? Sorry, I should correct myself. It was the season before. 2012-13 season. Alessio Bunyo, because it's Italy. Viva Italia. We've got an Italian listener. There you go. Thank you to our Italian listener who's uh, joined us this week. Uh, I, don't, I don't know any Italian, so I'm not even going to try and say anything to you there. I don't know if you know any, Mike. Um, no. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Arrivederci. That's that's Italian. I, don't, I can't remember what it means, but there you go. I think, I think grazie is thank you. Grazie is it. Grazie. Grazie to our Italian listener. Thank you for joining us this week. And that's it, Mike. Thanks once again for joining me. Um 
we'll, we'll be back next week for basically we're not going to have any specials anytime soon i haven't a chance to put it together basically we're just going to focus on these episodes for now and what we'll do is we'll get you some nice specials done for this summer little tidies over when the year is on and stuff like that and that's it mike thank you once again for joining me always appreciate it. always a pleasure and uh thank you everyone for still the blues, blues.